Jesus. We're kicking off a brand new series today, uh, and we are talking about reaching out. In fact, I think we just called it very simply, it's time to reach out. Uh, it's time for us to reach out. Uh, I want to spend the next three weeks talking to you about what does it mean, what does it look like, how can we as City Church reach out. This is fundamental. This is very basic. This is very simple. We're kind of piggybacking off of our previous series. We went through Luke chapter 15 and looked at these three parables of the lost, the lost sheep, lost coin, and lost son, uh, and, and saw God's heart for the lost. And so hopefully our heart is already starting to move towards God's heart for the lost. Hopefully we're starting to see, man, if, if these people matter so much to him, they should probably matter something more to me. Uh, man, we've seen some awesome, awesome things going on. Even last Sunday, we had four people make fresh starts for Jesus. Uh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. We can give God some praise for that. Two of those adults who the, I know that their parents have been praying for them to find Jesus. Uh, and uh, any time the lost come to Jesus, it's a special thing. But, man, when somebody's been praying for their kid for a long time, that's an awesome thing, man. So we're so grateful. We're so excited for you who are taking those steps and for what God is doing in your lives and in your families. Here's what I think. He's just getting started. Man, I, I think that God is starting something not just here at City Church. We're seeing, man, revival over the past year breaking out globally in young people. We're seeing hearts move back towards the Father. The, the, the Word of God actually says that in the last days, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. There's a generational family reunification that God's talking about. But, but ultimately, he's talking about our hearts back to the Father. It's supposed to happen at the end, and so as we see that maybe things are, are moving towards the end, I'm not this guy that's like, man, Jesus is coming back next Saturday, give your life. I, you know, I, I think there's things biblically that still have to happen before we get to that point. Um, but I do think we are on that biblical time scale. I think we are moving in that direction, and so I see God moving people's hearts back to him, and I'm grateful for it. I'm excited for it, and that means we've got a responsibility to play, church. God wants to do something, and he wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use us. He wants to use us corporately as city church, but he wants to use you individually also. In fact, last week we had four fresh starts. I told you one of them didn't happen here in the auditorium, and it didn't even happen in a kid's city classroom. It happened back in a, in a conversation between a couple of people where, where somebody made the invitation and said, hey, let's, let's just seal this deal. Let's, let's take this step and give your life to Jesus, and they did, and that's where we've got to get to, guys. It can't just happen in here. Not everybody going to come in these doors. Not everybody's going to come to a service. Not everybody's going to, to say, hey, I want to go to a church. And so we've got to get to the place where we're taking Jesus to people, man, where we're sharing Jesus out there. And so I'm excited. I am fired up. I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for what God is up to. We're going to kind of piggyback off of our last series. Like I said, we read through parables through Luke chapter 15. Today we're going to change books. We're going to stay in the same concept with parables. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25. And in Matthew 25, I want to begin here. Uh, in verse 31 it says this. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. So this is Jesus prophesying about Jesus. This is Jesus understanding things that are yet to come. This day has not yet happened. This is something in the future. He says this, verse 32, he says, all the nations. Everybody say all the nations. All the nations. Hunter, I'm so grateful for what you shared. 
Because Jesus did die for everybody in the Middle East. We know that Israel is his chosen people, and we stand with Israel, and we're praying for Israel and believing for Israel to be safe and protected and victorious in this. But every one of those people in that battle was created in the image of God. Every one of those people are someone that Jesus loves and Jesus died for. At the end, all the nations will be gathered before Jesus. Praise God. All of them. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from his goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And so a day will come when everybody will appear before Jesus. And there are going to be sheep and goats represented. And this is not separated nationally in the sheep and goats. This is not separated by their hearts. There are people from every tribe, tongue, and nation that are going to be goats. And people from every tribe, tongue, and nation who are going to be sheep. And so Jesus separates them. And it says, verse 33, he'll put the sheep on his right, the goats on his left. Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right. He's going to speak to the sheep. And he's going to say, come you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. As a believer, as someone who has been purchased by the blood of Jesus, that verse should fire you up. That should excite you. One day, Jesus himself will look at you and say, you are blessed by my Father. There is an inheritance for you. That's been prepared for you since the beginning of the very world. Praise God. And then he says something crazy. He says, why? He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. For most of us, this is a familiar passage. For most of us, you kind of can almost recite this somehow in your head. You've heard this preached. You've read it for yourself. You're familiar with this. And the danger of familiarity is we can kind of distance ourselves from it over time. Like this message, this is for somebody else. I, mean, I know this. I've heard this. I've received this. But, but I want to challenge you today that Jesus is sharing this with you. Imagine Jesus was sharing this with you for the first time. This is his heart. This is his vision. This is the way he sees the world. He says, who's going to come into my kingdom? It's the ones who recognized when someone was hungry and made a sacrifice so that person could eat. Who recognized when someone was thirsty and did something. Not just your heart was moved, but your body was moved to action so that that need could be met. Sometimes we can have an emotional reaction. I'm not at all emotional, but some of you are. Um, and so it's easy to respond sometimes emotionally, and then we can kind of just leave it there. Oh, I felt something. Man, that felt so good. But did I actually do something? Me too, Miss Risa. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. I grew up in the stranger danger culture, right? Like, but that was the generation I grew up with. You don't invite strangers in. Like, you keep strangers away. And I understand we want to protect our kids and we want to keep people safe. But Jesus says it's not even an excuse if they're a stranger, I want you to love the people you don't know. I want you to love the people who aren't like you. I want you to sacrifice for someone who, who isn't easy, who isn't convenient, who isn't just what everybody else 
is doing. Verse 36, he says, I needed clothes. And you clothed me. If we get anything right in this list, City Church, we got this one right. All right. We've been giving away clothes for 11 years. Since 2012, we've been giving away clothes, and we did not set out to be the, cho- the clothe-giving church. Uh, we set out to do one clothing giveaway, and we just told God, as long as we have clothes, we'll give them away, and we just keep getting clothes. Like, we are a clothes magnet. Uh, I don't know how it's happened. We've had people like, hey, my friend just had a yard sale, and they got a bunch of stuff left over. We've had thrift shops close down and give us their clothes. Like, we just end up with clothes. And so as long as God puts clothes in our hands, we're going to keep putting clothes in people's hands that need clothes. And so praise God for, for all the donations, for all that you've done, for all the sacrifices. He says, I, was, I need to clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. Steve Yelverton, not you're in prison. That, that sounded bad. Um, Steve has a heart for those who are in prison. Let me clarify. Getting everybody's dirty laundry out here today. Uh, I was in prison and you came to visit me. Praise God for a heart for those who are in prison. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him. The ones he just spoke to, the ones who he said, hey, you were blessed by my father. You have an inheritance from the creation of the world and you did all these things. And the, answer, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink. When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And so those on the right, the sheep, the ones who got it right, they're like, I don't remember doing that. Like, I, I, I'm surely I would have remembered if, Jesus, you were sick. Yeah, I would have I helped. I would have visited you in prison. I would have given you something to eat, Jesus. But I don't remember seeing that. And verse 40 says famously, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least. Everybody say one of the least. <laughs> whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Here's what we need to understand. Jesus is not referring to the hungry, the thirsty, the sick, and the imprisoned as the least. This is not his heart for those people. Just like in the parables we studied the last few weeks, Jesus is speaking to the perceptions of his hearers. They thought that those people weren't good enough, that those tax collectors and those sinners weren't good enough. And so Jesus just spoke right where they were at. He's like, these unrighteous, these unworthy, these people that that nobody cares about. He doesn't think that. He's the one who leaves the 99 for the one, right? He's the one who goes after. So he says, whatever you did for one of the least, and I think we can insert in parentheses there, one of the ones that society perceives as the least. One of the ones that culture views as least valuable, as least significant. Whatever you did for one of them. In other words, he's not judging us, but what we did for the most privileged people in society, for the people who have the most, for the people who can benefit us the most, right? When we do something for someone who has great power and influence, oftentimes that can be done with some ulterior motives. This person can help me. This person can do something for me. I remember Pastor Willie George at Church on the Move, who I, I interned uh, out there and served out there. One of my, my, my great mentors, not personally, because this is not the way that it worked out there. It was a mega church. I didn't have, like, this deep personal bond with him. But somebody who I sat under his teaching and learned so much for, they built their church, this massive church, this incredible church. They built it essentially on two principles. They were going after kids, 
and they were going after teenagers. And, and he understood very well that when you reach kids and you reach teenagers, they don't come in with a lot of tithe money. They don't come in with a lot of giving. They don't come in with a lot of ability to, to enhance the finances. And he said, here's what God told me very early when we started this, is that if you will go after the people who can't pay you back, I will. So they did not invest in the people who could invest in the church. They invested in the people who needed Jesus, and God multiplied and blessed the church in the process. See, God recognizes, he understands the heart of a church, the heart of an individual, the heart of a Christian. And he says, my heart is for those that you think are the least. My heart is for the ones that are forsaken, the ones who are overlooked, the ones who are ignored. That's where my heart is. And so if you want to line up with my heart, if you want to line up with my blessing, these are the ones you're going to go after. That's the God that we serve. And I love that about him, by the way. You see, God doesn't need anything from any of us. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need us to reach the people who have influence, the people who who have finance, the people who have it all together. He doesn't need those people. He's got more than enough. He wants us to go for the ones that everybody else is overlooking. He wants us to be the heart of his church. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left. So first he speaks to the sheep. Now he speaks to the goats. He says, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Not a fun verse to preach. Not one that I get fired up to stand up here and share with people. But the reality is, those who reject Jesus, those who reject the sacrifice of the Son of God, will ultimately receive their desire, which their desire is to be apart from him. And they will. Verse 42, he says, why? He says, for I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. Verse 44, they will also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? To me, this is one of the saddest verses in the whole Bible. One of the most heartbreaking statements in all of Scripture. And Jesus will reply, my Savior will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. It's a heavy passage. It's an in-your-face passage. It's a difficult passage to wrestle with. There's really only two conclusions we can reach from this passage. One of the conclusions is this, is that how we treat the least of these, the last, the least, the lost, the lonely, how we treat people in these categories is going to determine our salvation. If you read it straight through, this is really kind of what it sounds like Jesus is saying. Now, 
I believe that we judge scripture with scripture, that we always have to read scripture in the context of the greater narrative of scripture, the greater statements of scripture. And, and I believe very, very passionately that the Bible makes it very clear that that's not how we get saved. I don't think that's what Jesus is teaching in this passage. Um, I do think this, I think what he's telling us is that when God truly has my heart, my heart will reflect his heart. I think what he's saying is, if we are the righteous, if we are the sheep, if we are the chosen who have the inheritance from the Father from before the creation of the world, then this is going to come out of us. I don't think we earn our way to salvation by going out there and loving the poor and feeding the hungry and providing water for the thirsty. I don't think the greater narrative of Scripture would teach us that. I think that would be a, a deviation from the truth of what the Word of God says. But we can't just throw it out because Jesus said it. We can't just ignore the passage. We can't just ignore the statement. And so there's only one other conclusion. The other conclusion is this. If we're truly saved, these are the things that we will do. These things will define the believers in Jesus Christ. We will be people who feed the hungry. We will be people who provide water for the thirsty. We will be people who visit and care for the sick and visit the prisoners and bring in the strangers. That's the only other conclusion because he doesn't leave open the possibility that we cannot do those things and spend eternity with Jesus. Now again, I don't think we earn our way into heaven. In fact, I know that we don't and I'll show it to you in just a minute. But, but, but he makes it very clear these are things that will define Jesus' people. These are the things that people who truly love Jesus will do, that we won't get around to it one day, we won't put it off until it's convenient or easy, that we're going to prioritize the things that the Father prioritizes, and the Father prioritizes the last, the lost, the least, and the lonely. We can say it this way, God is passionate about the lost, which we discovered in the last few weeks, and God is passionate about the least. God cares. And he says, I've shared my salvation with you. I've shared my blessing with you. I've shared this inheritance with you. And I need you to care about the things that I care about. And this is something that I care deeply about. Ephesians chapter 2 very famously puts some of this stuff this way. I want to make sure I prove it to you that you can't earn your salvation by going and working at the soup kitchen or, or working at the homeless shelter. Those are good things, and we should do those things. They just won't get you into heaven. And let me show you how I know that. Ephesians 2 says it this way. It says, verse 8, for it is by grace. Everybody say, by grace. By grace, by grace not by works. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. His grace, not my grace. Not the church's grace, not the pastor's grace, not the preacher's grace, not grandma's grace, his grace. Nobody else. Not by works so that no one can boast, so we don't get to boast and brag about how good we are at doing the things that Jesus wants us to do. That's not what this is. It's not a competition. It's not a comparison. It's not, hey, we do this better than that church or the, better than these other Christians. It's, are, are we reflecting the heart of the Father? Are we reflecting the heart of the Savior? Do, do we... We wear his name, but do we respond to situations the way that he does? The verse 10 says this. It says, for we are God's handiwork. The picture there of handiwork in the Greek is the picture of the potter at the wheel. Now, 
I'm terrible at pottery. Mercedes could teach this much better than I could. Uh, but the idea of pottery is that the, the artist gets close to their work. You can't, you can't do pottery with a digital printer, right? Like this isn't something that you, you can't do AI pottery. Uh, pottery is, is intimate. It's close. And so God says, you are my handiwork. I've created you with my fingers. I've shaped you exactly the way that I want you to be for a specific purpose. It says you were created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works. You are not saved by good works, but you are saved to good works which God prepared in advance for you to do before you were ever born. He had good works lined up for you. Before you were ever conceived, before you ever had a mom or a dad or any inkling that you would exist, God had an idea in his head and he knew it was you. And he had a shape for you. He had a design for you. He had an intimate use and purpose for you. And he designed before the creation of the world. Far in advance, he designed good works for you to do. In other words, he knew what hungry person he wanted you to feed. He knew what stranger he wanted you to invite in. He knew what prisoner you were going to visit. He had good works designed in advance for you. Write this down. We are saved, not saved by good works, but we are saved to good works. We are saved, it says it right there in Ephesians. Man, we are saved by grace, through faith. Not by works, explicitly not by works, but then right after that, it says we're God's handiwork created to do good works. So the works don't save us, but we're designed for them. We're created for them. We are purposed for them. Most of you know this. Most of you have heard this. Most of you are aware of this. And most of you, if you're like me, it's easy to forget because we get busy and we get distracted and we get focused on all this insignificant, less meaningful stuff. And the word of God calls us back to the heart of the Father. It calls us back time and again to the things that matter to the one who saved us. And if we're really saved, if the Holy Spirit really lives in us, there should be something that pricks. There should be some antenna that go up in the spirit when we come back to what the word of God has to say about these kind of things. Yes, I need to do that. Yes, I need to be a part of that. Yes, that's what God has designed and purposed me for. Yes, we should be people that leap in response to the word of God with a yes. Proverbs 11.11, it's foundational verse for our church, man. We've built our, our, our DNA, our identity on this. It says this, it says, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. You've heard it before. You've had it on your t-shirts. It's on your offering envelope. I know you've seen it, right? What does it mean? It means that God's design is to bless Olive Branch through his church through his people god doesn't just pour out blessing on a community god pours out blessing on a community through the people that he's planted in that community and that's us look at your neighbor and say you're it he's chosen us he's picked us he's drafted us he's invited us and he says 
If you're the upright, if you're the righteous, if you're the sheep, if you're the ones spending eternity with Jesus, what's going to happen? You're going to exalt the city. What's exalted mean? It means to lift up. It means it's got to be better. The city has to be better because we're here. The city doesn't have to know that it's because of us. We don't care that they know because of City Church. We want them to know it's because of Jesus, because there's a Savior who loves them. There's a God who is for them, not against them. That's what they need to know. They don't need to know it's because City Church is here. But if we're going to walk out our purpose, if we're going to live out our destiny as a church that God placed in this community, then the city's got to be better. There's no choice. There's no other option. And then you can apply that in Bahalia, in Cordova, in Memphis, in Horn Lake, in Hernando, wherever community God's placed you in, that same thing applies because you are the righteous, you are the upright in that community. And so that community, that neighborhood, that subdivision, that school, that workplace should be better because God put you there. Doesn't mean all of us are walking that out. It does mean... When God speaks through his word, his people should listen and should respond. Our vision statement here is very simple. Reaching our city city by reaching one. One last, one least, one lonely, one lost. The one that God puts in front of us. Sometimes that's one person. Sometimes that's one family. Sometimes that's one workplace, one school, one, one class, one ball team. Right? What, what has God placed in front of you? Who are the people in your world? And then how do they fall into the last, the least, the lost, and the lonely? How can we pursue them? How can we go after them? We are called to reach our city by reaching one. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to identify some ones. I'm just going to go ahead and warn you, give you a heads up. Next week, we're, we're going to land on a one. Next week, we're going to talk about standing in the gap. We're going to talk about intercession. And we're going to be called, each of us, to intercede, to stand in the gap for somebody, an individual, a couple, a family, whatever that is that God places on your heart. So this week, all my application is, is very simple. It's two things. One is sign up for Serve Day. We get a chance to practically live this out. Now, some of us can't because you work Saturday mornings. I understand that. You're not going to hell because you work on Saturday. Uh, but we have the opportunity to be a blessing. Let's be a blessing if we have that chance. So let's, let's, let's sign up for Serve Day. The second is just simply this. Start praying about the one. Who's the one in your world? Just, just open your eyes. We just saying it. We will open up our eyes. We will not ignore their cries. Who's in your world? Let's cry. We will seek out the forsaken. We will not be found complacent. Who's forsaken in your world? Maybe that's somebody very close to you. Maybe that's somebody who you've worked really hard to make sure they're not very close to you. But who's God placing on your heart to go after? Next week we're going to talk about intercession. We're going to start praying for that person. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Um, we're, we're, we're building towards something here because I do believe it's time for us to, to, to be specific. It's time for us to be intentional. It's time for us to take these truths that we know that, that we're living out. Man, I'm proud of our church. This is not a man. Our church needs a, a wake-up call from God, and we need to come to Jesus, and we need to repent. I, that's not what I think. I think, man, I like y'all. I'm, I'm grateful for y'all. I'm, I'm glad that God has put me in this community and in this church, and I'm so glad I get to rub shoulders with you and do life with you and, and minister with you. So this is not a man, you guys are terrible, and get your act together. This is simply God's got more than we've, we've walked in. We've scratched the surface. 
We've seen him move. We've seen people get saved. We've seen people get healed. Like we've seen God do some awesome stuff. I'm talking like the last two months. I'm not talking the last 20 years. Yes, the last 20 years too. But the last two months, God's done some amazing things in this church. Let's not get satisfied. Let's not get content. Let's be grateful. Let's celebrate every time he does it. But I believe there's more. Are you a theme for the year? We're making room. Man, we might be towards the end of the year, but the year ain't over yet. So now we're going to make some room for the last. We're going to make some room for the lost. We're going to make some room for the, for the least and for the lonely. We're going to make room. And so that's where we're headed. So this week, get signed up for Serve Day if you're not already. If you can't do Serve Day Saturday morning, here's my challenge for you. Do your own personal Serve Day. Find somebody you can bless. Find a lawn you can cut. Find somebody you can babysit for. Like find somebody this month, before the end of this month, okay, I couldn't do Serve Day. But that doesn't mean I can't serve. So I'm going to find a, a specific application because, again, we're not doing everything just under the umbrella of the church or even the umbrella of Church United, man. We're called to go out. And so if you can't do this with us, that doesn't mean you can't do it without us. You can find an opportunity. And so I don't, it's not like, hey, I already cut my granddad's grass every week. So check, I got that under control. Like, we're adding something to the list, okay? Something we're not already doing intentionally, like, What's one more thing that I can do to be a blessing to somebody? By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. We're going to walk that out. We're going to live that out. And one day, King Jesus is going to look at you. And he's going to say, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Jesus himself is going to look you in the eye and affirm the good works that you've done. You're not going to get to be with him because of the good works. But we're going to do good works because we're his people and we have his heart. Amen? Would you stand with me as we close in prayer today?